Hi there. Thanks for joining me on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, the way to become a confident teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes are transformational, not just transactions, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal growth because having a strong and healthy mindset is such an important piece of being a confident teacher. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 269. So I'm recording this on the day before Thanksgiving. It is November 22nd. You're going to hear this on November 27th or sometime thereafter. If you're a returning listener, thanks so much for being here again. And if you're a brand new listener, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. So when I started this podcast years ago, I definitely wanted a handful of episodes where I could share from some of the people that I work with, some of the yoga teachers that I work with in my program, because, you know, the conversations I have with those teachers, I call them momentum coaching calls, because what I've experienced uh, in observing them is they get momentum when we have that additional component of getting on a Zoom session together. Um, they experience momentum, that magical feeling of moving forward closer to your goals. And sometimes when I have these calls, I think, God, I so want other yoga teachers to hear this, to be able to hear about some of the amazing shifts that these teachers are making in their own words. And, and if you've listened to this show for a while, you know that sometimes I'll share with you some of the stories and things that have come up uh, without names or any qualifying information, identifying information, just as a source of inspiration for you. Because I know certainly for myself, I never had the benefit of really hearing from other teachers when I began to teach and even when I was in the thick of teaching regularly. And so if I was experiencing a problem, I really didn't see a way out. I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have a mentor. And so it was difficult for me to get the support that I needed so I could continue to, to progress. And when I say progress, what I really mean is I wanted to know the way to confident, authentic teaching. I knew that that was the idea in my head for how I wanted to show up for my students and for myself, really. Like that's how I wanted to show up for me. And I knew if I did that, that it would make the experience better for the students. Because if I'm feeling confident, I'm obviously less nervous and I'm more able to be present and really be helpful to them. If I'm feeling the courage to be authentic and if I know when I walk into the studio, I'm teaching from an authentic place, I can have a bigger impact because I'm not second guessing myself. I'm not listening to any sort of negative voice in my head that's telling me, oh, you're not good enough. You're not qualified enough. 
you know, you need more hours after your name and all this sort of stuff. So I knew that the goal I had to be a confident, authentic teacher was worthy of the work that I needed to do to get there, but I just didn't know how. And I was always sort of searching for like, what is the magic ingredient? And so over the years of my own exploration and my own work with some coaches that I hired, one in particular that was a neuroscience coach, what I found over and over again was the key to my own, uh, uh, to, the key to unlocking my own authentic way of being and having the courage to do that was in disproving a lot of the beliefs I had about myself. And some of those beliefs, I've shared with you some of the stories from my past, some of those beliefs came from different situations that happened to me as I was growing up, different interactions I had with my dad in particular, um, all good, but just the way I interpreted when he was helping with helping me with my homework. If I wasn't doing it correctly, I would feel like I was letting him down. And that developed into a perfectionism streak that I had. I developed this identity that I wasn't good with numbers. I wasn't good at math and that created a certain identity. And so I think for a lot of the teachers that actually all the teachers that I work with and all the teachers that I talk to, not even the ones that are in my program. I mean, I have dozens of conversations every week with teachers all over the world, just in an effort to help them, even in freeways, you know, just having like a phone call with somebody who's experiencing a problem. And that phone call gets set up because maybe we've had a couple of emails back and forth and I know I can help them. So I say, hey, let's get on the phone. Let me find out a little bit more about you. And it goes from there. And in all these conversations, the common thread is that everyone has, <laughs> I hate to say it this bluntly, everyone has identity problems. We all have these identities that we hold to be true about ourselves. And in addition to that, there's also teaching yoga as a trigger to bring this stuff up, to bring it closer to the surface. I mean, even if you take it out of the context of teaching yoga, what is the one thing that almost everybody says makes them like so fearful? And people will say it's speaking in front of a group of people. Public speaking, I think if you do some Googling, you'll find that public speaking, public speaking is one of the most feared um, activities ever. And so when you think about what we do as yoga teachers, we are doing public speaking. That is what we are doing. We don't know the people for the most part. Even if we do, we are doing public speaking and we're doing it in a very technical way. And then we're doing it not just in a technical way, we're doing it in a way where we wanna build connection and we wanna create a mindful space and a mindful experience. I mean, we're also working with a, with a system that's been around for thousands of years. I mean, when you think about it from that perspective, there are so many things that up the ante when it comes to the pressure that we could feel when we go in and teach a class. And so all of this pressure is what tends to lead people to have mindset problems as yoga teachers and tend to really dig their heels in to the identities they believe to be true about themselves. I'm not the kind of yoga teacher who could just walk around the room because I practice with my class. I'm not the kind of yoga teacher who could share anatomy-based cues because I was never good at science. I'm not the kind of yoga teacher who could you know, teach a class without music because I don't like when things are really quiet. It makes me super nervous. Like these are all identity-based statements and they're the things that we anchor to when we're nervous, when we're in fear. And guess what? They're not, um, they're not like bedrock. 
they are changeable. I mean, bedrock as a quality of the foundation of a house is like unchanged. It's like the anchor. But these identities are not unchangeable. They can be changed. And for every single yoga teacher that I do have the honor of working with in my program, it's their willingness to experiment and their willingness to experiment with a different approach to teaching that loosens the grip on some of these identities. And in loosening that grip, that's how they find their most authentic, confident way of being. It's not through beating themselves up. It's not through listening to the inner critic. It's not through mimicking another teacher. It's not through getting more hours under their name, like taking a 300 or 500 hour. There's nothing wrong with taking hours-based programs. It's just that unless it solves the problem you have, it's just going to be money and time you spend that don't solve the problem. And so if your problem is you're nervous, if your problem is you're fearful, if your problem is you don't feel like yourself when you're teaching, if your problem is you spend all this time prepping for your classes out of this perception that preparation is going to get you over the nerves that you're feeling, like these are all um, fear-based problems. And hours don't solve those problems. Fixing the identity issue at the root core, that's what solves the problem. And so today what I wanted to do is I had the opportunity to have a coaching call with one of the teachers in my program. And she shared with me on this call, her transformation in her own words. And the interesting thing was, and what makes it even cooler is she had shared some of her thoughts with me in an email that happened a couple of days before the call. And when I got the email and I read it, which I'll tell you about that in a second. And then when we got on the call and she shared in her own words, what I had read about, it was just so transformative to me. And it just, it just made me so proud of her for being willing to do the work she did, because on the other side of it, as you'll hear from her, because I'm going to share it with you, is, is a new place that she did not think she could get. And I also want to emphasize this happened in about 60 days. This didn't take years. This happened in a little over a month, maybe two months. So that's fast. And not only is it fast, but when you compare it to some of the mindset beliefs we have for our whole life, our whole life. Imagine if in 60 some odd days, you could shift your perception of yourself so that you could walk into the room and teach a class without having to put a mat down, without having to practice with your students, without having fear. Wouldn't you spend a month and a half or so to fix the problem so that you could move past some of these identity challenges you're having that are holding you back from being a confident, authentic teacher? Like, wouldn't that be a good trade-off? It's like, if I knew I could spend 50 bucks, but I'd win a million, I'd spend the 50 bucks, right? That's a good return on investment. So what I did after we had the call is I went to her and I said, hey, can I share this on my podcast? Because this was so transformative to me to listen to, I would love for other teachers to hear it. And she said, yes. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to share with you what I asked her as a question and, and what she responded in the email with, and then that will lead you to the call and I'll sign off and then you can listen to the call. So what I asked her to do, or what I posed to her as a little exercise is 
in one of our earlier calls before the one I'm going to play for you, she was she was sharing with me some of the concerns she was continuing to have, except from my perspective, every time we were getting together, I was seeing a lot of progress. And so I used a frame of reference that's similar to, you know, many years ago when Instagram first became popular, one of the styles of posting that became really predominant was fitness trainers who they worked with people and they were using Instagram to show before and after pictures. You know, Instagram was picture-based primarily when it started for many years. And so for fitness trainers, personal trainers, it was an ideal platform to show progress that their clients were making. So they would say, here's Jane, and this is before I started working with her, and here's after. And you could really see, and this is how a lot of these fitness trainers would just build so much momentum for their own enrollments in their own programs, because geez, people would look at those pictures and they'd be like, oh my God, I want the results that Jane has. Look at that after picture of Jane. So I thought of that as a construct, as a paradigm, as a framework. And I said to Rose, look, I know that you've made positive changes and I'm not you. So it's easier for me to see. Can you write a before and after list of things? Think of yourself before you and I started working together and now and see what you come up with. So a couple of days went by and she sent me a list and, oh my God, it was such a long list. I was amazed. There were things on there I hadn't even thought of. And of course I couldn't think of them because I'm not in her head. But when she did this exercise, this is what she came up with. So this is the before. Couldn't walk and talk, which is the phrase I use to describe a teacher who just walks around the room and teaches. She could not walk and talk. She needed a script of the thoughts and words she was going to share when she teaches. She did not understand anatomy for yoga. She did not understand the reason behind many of the cues, what I call the why, W-H-Y, the why behind the cue. She had no confidence in herself as a teacher. She felt very anxious and pressured about teaching. Teaching was not enjoyable. Preparation, preparing for class was stressful and took a long time. I thought I had to change my sequences very often. I judged myself after class. I was nervous before class. I couldn't wait for a break between the sessions. She's teaching in a location where they do 10 to 12 sessions and then they take a break and then they do another session. Um, my idea about what a good class should be was very rigid. This is a really common thing. Teachers will think, oh, a good class has to have, and just fill in the blanks for what comes up for you. Um, my idea, I'm sorry, felt imposter syndrome a lot. I did not think I was very good at teaching and my classes were inferior. I felt like I was missing something as a teacher. I knew there was something wrong with how I was teaching, but I didn't know what type of program I needed. I was miserable teaching and I felt like quitting if something didn't change. So then in the after, she wrote, after working with me for a couple of months, she felt more confident. She felt more comfortable in her skin as a teacher. I'm okay showing up as myself, right? That's the authenticity. I'm speaking my own words and thoughts. I'm able to walk and talk. I believe class can be simple, right? Simple there's so much um, elegance in the simplicity, 
right? We think the elegance, and maybe elegance isn't the right word, we think that people will be attracted to our class if it's complex, but in actuality, it's oftentimes the opposite. I understand anatomy. I believe now I don't have to change my sequences all the time. I can watch the class and offer cues as needed. I am enjoying teaching more. I don't judge or beat myself up after class. I feel more neutral and not emotional like I did before, before or after class. I felt this teaching session of 10 classes went quick and I'm actually offering classes during the break. I don't believe in the rules as to what a class should look like and in the sequence building what it should look like. I prepare for class quickly without stress. I'm not concerned what students think of my class. I have had a shift in many of my limiting beliefs. I feel more educated and knowledgeable as a teacher. So this made my heart jump for joy. I am just so proud of her. And this is this is on one level a really personal experience because it's her own words, her own experience. And you'll hear that in the in the next minute or so when we flip to the to the call, to the recording of the call. Although I want you to appreciate that from my point of view, because so many teachers, and if you and I work together, you might be in a similar place, come to me with similar problems. And a lot of those problems aren't even problems that they created. It's created by the industry, the perception in the industry, the messaging in the industry, the narrative of the industry, the conversations between teachers, the conversations in Facebook groups that perpetuate a lot of these beliefs. I got to practice my class. Classes need to be really hard and complicated. We need to cue to the breath all the time. We need to have a peak pose. I mean, I could go on and on. None of those things are true. Those are all just people's opinion. Those are all just people's approaches. There's no right way to teach. But these things end up putting all these pressure, all this pressure on teachers, and they stoke a lot of the beliefs they have about themselves. So if you're a perfectionist and you start to teach yoga, oh boy, oh boy, well, that perfectionism rage wild in you because there's so many things that you could nitpick yourself about that you're not doing perfectly. And you can pretty much imagine, and maybe this is your experience, pretty quickly, you're not going to have a lot of fun teaching yoga, right? So this is why this kind of mindset shift is so powerful, because what it ends up doing is it empowers the teacher, and in, and in her case, it empowers her to have the courage to show up as herself and to believe that that is enough and to take responsibility for how she's showing up so much that it doesn't even matter what anybody thinks because she knows now that she's going into the studio and teaching, taking responsibility for how she shows up and knowing what she can control rather than what a lot of teachers do. Um, and this was a shift for her to, to hear this approach is putting all of this expectation on everybody else and using everybody else's what they perceive as how these people are receiving the class as something that causes them to make a judgment of them. Matter of fact, I had a conversation just yesterday with the teacher and I said, how are classes going? And she goes, oh, the past week or so, some were good, some weren't so good, kind of bad. And I, as soon as I heard that, I said, what causes you to think some of those classes 
didn't go so well. And she said, well, I feel like, you know, in this one class, I was covering it for another teacher. And I feel like some of the students, they just had these blank stares on their faces. And I said, okay, so um, do you think there could be a cause for that? And they, she said, well, I don't know. I was thinking maybe they weren't liking it. And I said, okay, well, do you think there might be another reason why some of the students had a blank stare on their face? I mean, it is yoga. Maybe they were just being really mindful. Maybe they were just being really neutral, trying to moderate their reactivity. Maybe they were just maybe distracted with other thoughts in their head. And she stopped and she said, yeah, I guess that could be it. See, this is what I mean. When we make assumptions about how they feel, about how the students feel, and somehow turn it into a big knot in our brain that it means something about us, we're making a huge assumption. And we are now leaking our own power and our own, it, really, it's our own power. It's having agency over us and how we interpret things. And you know that you can have a conversation with somebody or see a funny look that somebody makes at you and you can interpret it as one thing. And it could be something completely different, something nothing to do about you, but 100% about them. You know, matter of fact, if you've ever read that book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, one of the things he says, one of the four agreements is don't make assumptions. And the other, one of the other agreements is don't take things personally. And those two laws in his book, he calls them laws or agreements are perfect for teaching yoga. But so much of what I hear from teachers is that they make assumptions. And it's not just making assumptions about what their students think. It's also making assumptions that they need to follow all these perceived rules that are out there. There are no rules, my friend. There are no rules. You can do whatever you want in the class. Just have a reason for what you're doing and have it grounded in maybe your experience or knowledge. Just don't wing it is my point, right? And don't fake it, right? Don't fake anatomy knowledge. Don't fake an anatomy theme. Don't fake something you're saying out of a desire to impress stay in your authentic way of being. That's always the best way. So with that, I'm going to play this clip of my conversation with this teacher in my program. And this lead-in gave you all you need to know to listen to this. And I really hope that you find some inspiration in this. And I hope that it sparks some curiosity about what would be possible for you. I'm not going to pop in on the tail end of this. So I'll wrap up my part of this episode by saying thank you so much for listening and namaste. And with that, we're going to shift over to the audio of my coaching call with this teacher. Here we go. I was so excited to see your email. That was so cool. That was like a really long list. How did that feel for you? Um, well, the first time you had originally sent me that email last week. So I would just like, you know, I said, I'm going to do this. So I just took a piece of scrap paper and I just started yeah. like whatever popped into my head. Yeah. And then it made me, and then I said, you know what, let me, let me get my journal. And then yeah. you know, I, I, I got, I stopped. And then I'm like, I wasn't done. Yeah. And it made me realize what life was like before. So even though I still, I still have the conflict of what I'm going through now, like not progressing and not being where I am. But when I think about where I was, that was like a whole nother 
Yeah. Like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I can't, I can't, yeah. like, it's unbelievable where I was, like how I felt. Yeah. So it, yeah. So I really wanted, I think it's important. It, it was a really good exercise for me. Cool. To, so even in the moments, even now where, you know, things are, uh, it's still, you yeah. know, it's, it's a work in progress and I get yeah. it. But if I can even think back to where I was, I yeah. can at least appreciate how far I've come, I guess. Yeah. And having it written down can help too in those moments where you feel nervous again or things come up and, you know, trigger us. Um, and it is really interesting how the brain kind of wants to go into the negative, but that if we do these little exercises, um, I find that a lot. I remember during the pandemic, Jerry Seinfeld was interviewed by somebody I can't remember who it was. Maybe he was on Colbert. I don't know. And he was talking about this concept of zooming out because this was like in the thick of COVID. And he was saying, you know, everybody right now is zooming in on everything that's not working, things that have been obviously taken away from us. Obviously, people have died and all, you know, the groceries, washing the groceries, all the things in the thick of COVID that we were living through. He said, but I find in these times it's helpful to zoom out and like look at the big picture and also look at the horizon ahead, that there can be change going forward. And I find that a lot when I look at things like we're talking about, whether it's progress on a personal level, progress as a teacher, um, that zooming out and saying, okay, where was I before? Where am I now? And getting really specific like you did, like you really got specific in those notes. And that was just, I could sort of imagine you sitting there. It's real because it's real. I was like yeah. thinking about like how I felt and I'm like, yeah. wow. I think yeah. that, like, I was at rock bottom. I was like, I can't go on like this. I was in a really bad place, you know, yeah. but really another big thing. I don't know if I put it down there is I think I told you that our sessions, uh, it's like sessions, it's 10 to 12 weeks, there's a break, and then they start again. I usually um, can't wait for the end of the session. Like, I'm like, I can't wait, I can't wait, you know? And I, I always looked forward to, to having the break. And even when we started the new break, I remember when it started once my son, I was, I was like, oh my God, I'm starting to teach. And my son was like, what's the big deal? You only teach three classes a week. And I'm like, it's just a lot goes into it and it's so stressful. And I would carry on because it was like a big burden on my back. But yeah. anyway, this session, this is so shocking to me. I, I'm, I feel like I'm like, I'm like, wow, this went so fast. 10 weeks, it's already over. And a lot of the people in classes are like, do you do anything during the break? Are you offering anything? And I just spoke with the woman that teaches before me and she told me she's, you know, using the space and she offers class, she offers, you know, the class to them, whatever. And in, in year, and before I was just like, I just kind of really wasn't interested in doing that. But now I actually, um, you know, taking advantage. I'm like, you know what? I think I'd like to offer the same thing. It is a really long break. And I'm really, I can't believe that I'm feeling this way. Honestly, I really can't. That's amazing. So once you look at that list before and after, I mean, I have, like, when I hear you describe it, it's a testament to me of your willingness to change and your willingness to be open-minded, to try something new. That's my those are two things that pop into my head. What comes up for you? What do you think helped you make the shifts that you're talking about? All of the mindset conversations that we had, number one, first and foremost yeah. has to be. Mm -hmm. And then everything else to back it up that we learned. 
Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as a special thanks, DM me the words podcast offer, and I'll share with you a special opportunity for yoga teachers who are ready to be confident and skilled and drop all the prep time you most likely are doing, getting ready for class, drop practicing with class, and instead do what I call the walk and talk, drop using the same cues over and over, and drop worrying what other people think. If this is you and you're ready to step into your most powerful, authentic way of teaching, just DM me the words podcast offer on my Instagram and I'll tell you how I can help you.